Welcome to Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow. My name is Heather, and my guest today is Steve from London. Is Correct. That right? Well, yes. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> originally, I was um, born in Liverpool, kind of mid-70s, so I won't admit to exact date. <laughs> and so, yeah, and then when I was younger, so in the kind of early 80s, my parents moved to London. And yeah, we then we went on this kind of uh, journey to London. So I've learned a lot, a lot about that history and that episode in their lives and us as a family. So yeah, then we moved to London, and then what a journey that's been. So you basically yeah. grew up there. Very much so. Yeah. So I grew up in East London, uh, around an area called Gants Hill, Redbridge area. Just went from there, really. So yeah, it's good. But I'm still a massive Liverpool fan, <laughs> uh, and I get over as much as I can to matches. Take my son and uh, and yeah, share tickets out with some friends who are. All also Liverpool fans and take their sons and dads and stuff so it's really good nice yeah. how old you have more than one child I do oh. I've got uh, yeah two children so Tom who's 15 this year so it's just beautiful watching him at the moment uh, mm-hmm. in a really positive way actually and then uh, Matilda who is going to be 12 this year so uh, again just beautiful watching them evolve and grow at such interesting times particularly now that we've moved to Sweden so um, your children did not grow up in Sweden no. Oh, okay. No. So we gotta we gotta back up. What brought you to Sweden? Yeah. What brought you to move your yeah. children here to Sweden? Because that's pretty big. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And you know, I, I I can't say it's kind of this one big thing. I think there was kind of a culmination of things that really, I guess, ultimately decided it for us and I think one of the things that Nina and I my, my wife Nina she's Swedish she lived in London for 17 years we met in uh, in London uh, she works or still does in the music industry uh, so we met at a uh, shaggy concert at the old <laughs> Wembley so uh, Mr. Lover Lover so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so um, that was a that's a great thing that came shaggy, out already bringing people together yeah uh, although the, the, the priest who, who uh, when we got married here in Sweden he bearing in mind this is in front of all of our family and friends uh-huh. And he basically, the way he said in his accent, in, when Steve and Nina met um, at a shagging contest. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the whole place just looked at each other. And, Did he just say shagging contest? It's like, oh, my God. You know what? It was just, we kind of thought about it for a while. We, obviously, we came for many, many years in the summer, and we love Sweden, and it's a great place. And it was kind of a, Nina and I, we've, we're travellers, and we love to travel a lot. Yes. And we've been very blessed to have a lifestyle or have the opportunity to travel. So every Christmas, we always spend three weeks away somewhere in the world. Uh-huh. Uh, so Nina's also very lucky that on, it's her birthday on the 28th of December, and she <laughs> wakes up in a different place on her birthday for the last seven years so we've always challenged the kids to keep a very global mind and to be open to new cultures and to experience new things the word experience is big in my life mm-hmm. with my podcast <laughs> the experience designers and then what I do yes. around design experiences so I'm also I really bring that into my life as well so always about new experiences new new yeah just broadening I think that's the mind wonderful I have my children are uh, very similar in age to yours yeah and it's the same thing we love to travel so much and yeah. that's part of what I love about living over here is that yeah. it's a lot easier to go to a completely different culture and a different country yes but <laughs> I think that there's a notion of I think just doing and to teach them that just doing stuff regardless of what they then take from it personally I just think it's just keeping them in that mindset of just keep trying new stuff and um, I think it's important and so Sweden for us when we sat down and we we 
we were really clear when we sat down with them and we did these kind of family meetings mm-hmm. where we did the, and we were really clear around the communication at all stages. So it wasn't just, hey, kids, we're now moving. It was right. more, we took them along the process. So that I thought that for us, I think on reflection, looking back, that worked really, really well. We got them really involved in the decision-making process. We even did these little post-it sessions about how they felt about it, what, what they feel excited about, what they're nervous about, what they fearful about. So we just kind of got, you know, got those thoughts and feelings on the table when we sat. I remember sitting in, in our lounge in London on the floor and we just had this Sunday evening where we just literally just got it all out, how we're feeling about it. But ultimately, life's too short. Yeah. I'm married a Swede. <laughs> If I'm, if I'm married a Brazilian or if I'm married a French, you know, it doesn't. I, I think I would always. Why not? I mean, it's just one of those. Of so course. we were. You know, you rent the house, you pack your stuff. It's just stuff, and you. We moved to Sweden, and I think one of the things I've looked at it as a bit of a social experiment with the kids. But when I moved from Liverpool to London, and, I, and my daughter was the same age as me when we moved, and the biggest difference that I found was when I moved from Liverpool to London, I didn't see my friends ever again. Back then, it was a less connected world. I mean, you know, I think even the phones were still when you, you know, you dialed it round to yes. get the phones working, right? So that, you know, there wasn't mobile phones or social media or any of those platforms. So And then I think that it was, uh, it probably cost a lot if you wanted to try to call your friends. Oh, yeah, those 10 pences going into mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a very different, t- whereas now, I look, at, I look at Tom and Matilda, and they still got their friends, and they mean, really close friends over there and they talk a lot on whatsapp or you know on social media so there's i think it's beautiful i think it actually kind of encourage them on many i said just think about that now you have a friends here in stockholm your friends in london well, like 11 and 14 years old that's quite an amazing thing to have so again broadening the mind not thinking siloed i'm in stockholm and this is my life it's actually thinking broader on a global level and yeah and it's you know different cultures and different stuff so that's what we ended up doing we just moved and did it but what about the language for everybody or having a Swedish mother did they already speak Swedish yeah so that that was interesting so Tom was always fluent growing up Tom was you know during the summer months there was no get out for him it was all Swedish whereas Mm -hmm. with Matilda unfortunately Tom wouldn't speak Swedish to her and therefore she had a bit of an out and, and then the English was less was more so more prominent Whereas for Tommy, just only had Swedish, so that bode, that boded him well. But Matilda's fine now; she can speak Swedish. She's she's good. She's come on a lot since she's been here. I just think for her, it's confidence more than anything else. But it will come. Right, and she's on an advantage because she's heard it so much before yeah. moving. Yeah. Well, how was it adjusting for them? Sorry to ask so many questions about your it. kids. I'll ask about you Share in a whatever. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, how was it for them adjusting to the different type of school system, mm. and for you guys too, just handling that as parents? Well, a couple of things. It wasn't that big a deal because Tom, his whole world was going to change anyway, moving from primary to secondary. Mm -hmm. So regardless whether we stayed in London or moved wherever, actually, it was going to change fundamentally. Matilda was young enough in primary. It's like, you know, you're good. You can be more adaptive. So we could talk on a different podcast about education systems, but I'm not (laughs) not going to get on my high horse today. But I, I actually, when I came to Sweden and did the kind of the recce of what schools, I happened to come across, uh, at the time it was uh, Europa School and just mm. off of uh, Udengarten. They did the international baccalaureate. And I met some of the students there and I was just pff, right there. I was like, this is it. Because both my children are dyslexic and UK system for dyslexics, in my opinion, is uh, just not geared for them. So they've gone mm. very much toward kind of, you know, end of year exam results rather than having a mix of coursework as well as exams. So for me they've kind of fell out so the way they learn outside of the UK system. So when I 
it discovered the IB and understood the principles and how it works, I was all in on it immediately. There's no discussion in my mind. So for me, I was really excited. And it since, well, the last two and a half years for them, I've just... Even if I hated it here, which I don't, I would sit here for sure just for my children because for what they're getting from the IB curriculum. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been stunning watching it. Just to share this, I mean, one of the biggest things for me... I love London, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a massive Londoner. I, I love London with a passion. But I think the biggest thing for me was this realisation when my... Uh, how old was she? Nine, ten, eight, definitely, Matilda. She called me uh, after school one day. Hey, Papa, um, is it OK if I go... I'm going to go to the park and we're going to go... I'm going to go to 7-Eleven with um, one of her friends at the time mm. uh, and we're going to go and grab a, a drink. And, just, and I was just... I was like, yeah, cool, no, no worries. And off she went. And then I just had this little period of reflection. About an hour later, it suddenly just clicked on me. I was like... Wow, man, this would never happen in London. There were not even a thought. I'm genuinely, I say this, in two and a half years, I've never thought once, where's my children? Are they okay? Are they safe? Which I just think for them to be able to have that freedom and that security and safety, you know, I've seen them grow because of that. So I think that's for me. That's priceless, I think. A lot of people are shocked from the U.S. when I tell them, oh, my kids travel by themselves on the subway and they yeah. they take care of things themselves. And people are, oh, God, aren't you nervous? So you, why do you let them go by themselves on the subway and buses? But it's it's safe. And, you it know, is. I tell them 95% of the people on there, they'll help you if you have a problem. Absolutely. And it's happened plenty of times, mainly that they get lost. And <laughs> somebody always comes and helps or calms them down if they get confused or... I mean, when they were younger, uh, fourth grade, when they first started traveling, Mm. they would often take the wrong line. And everybody has just been so nice and helpful to them. And I said, look, maybe like 5% or less are crazy people, but that's why you don't look at your phone when you step onto the subway so you can glance around and see. (laughs) Okay, nobody's sitting. It's a crowded subway, but nobody's sitting with the one man here. There's something off. (laughs) Keep on walking. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. (laughs) There's a huge difference on that. Yeah, I even try to encourage them in the neighborhood. I'm like, go explore. Go off. You're lucky because you have GPS in your phones. We live near a nature reserve. And I tell them, go back there and get lost. That's what I do. Figure out the maps, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and they they do and they will. I mean, it's learning comes through exploring and getting out there and just kicking some stones and throwing some sticks and doing, you know, it's part of it. So, yeah, nature's been the big one here. There's been an interesting journey this just for me personally, because I think I think one of the biggest things that I've I've definitely moving country is something I've always wanted to do. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to live somewhere. So like tick. Yeah, um, me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, one oh my god, this planet's so big. So so there's a there's been an element of that, but I think the biggest thing which without a doubt happened to me, or I realised or observed moving to Sweden or just to another country, where you move out of this crazy place, London. 14 million people, always busy, so dirty. I only realise that now mm-hmm. Now I live in Stockholm and go back. But there's this thing that happens that you become conditioned by those environments and that surrounding. And unplugging from an environment like London into somewhere like Stockholm, which the one word I can describe it as is calm. Even though when I meet people in other places in Sweden, going, oh, no, I won't go to Stockholm. It's really busy. And I just, <laughs> I can't hide my face. I just look at it. What? It's a matter it's, of perspective. There's no one here. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> anyway, it's, anyway. So, um, but one of the things that I, I really found was not, lo- I don't want to call it loneliness because it's not because, but there's a thing about, I suddenly found I had so much time to myself. And in London, you just don't, I didn't have that at all because it's constant, either meeting friends or going to the pub or working and then at home and then you're cooking. And then, so it's this constant thing. I'm sure that happens here, but I think there is a calmness here. And I found that just as an expat coming to Stockholm. I found I had so much time to myself and there was this kind of little epiphany moment which I can can describe it to you was uh, it was the first summer and I was down on oh god where is it now up by the Nordic um, museum where you've got that bridge on Strandbergen there just you're Gordon yeah just Mm -hmm. there yes where that bridge is there is a small kind of boathouse where there's some boats moored up there but they have a cafe and you can sit out in the brig at the end and I was sitting there just cross-legged on the floor and I was just really you know all the tourists are going past in their boats and all the (laughs) you know people taking their boats out and I just had this slight moment of like wow I'm here on this planet on my own and I just had this real mindful moment of actually embrace this time I'm having with myself because I don't have that I didn't have that for many many years so it was more about just having that time to internalize everything and look within myself and say okay well what what do I want to do how do I want to take my life how do I want to develop how do I want to evolve myself because it's just like I didn't have enough time to really focus on the internalizing myself Um, I I think that's something about the Swedish culture and the Swedish lifestyle is it it is very much about balance and people respect often that you need time to yourself that Mm. you need to shut off every once in a while uh, more so than I think a lot of other places I think so there's that beautiful word which I genuinely have embraced with all of my heart, uh, which is log on. And, you know, it's uh, when I learn about it, it's like, yeah, I get it. I took what I wanted to from that. But I think for me, uh, yeah, you know, everything so for, for people who aren't in Sweden Indeed. or don't speak Swedish mm. yet, can you explain what log on is? Yeah. So my understanding is uh, not too much and not too little, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. So and I'll give you a, a real <laughs> real life example. of this. So this may it may resonate it may not but it was a small silly thing that i noticed when i first came so when i first sat down for a, a drink here in soccer in sweden in the uk it's like pint drink next one you know and it's quick drinking and but when you come to stockholm i noticed that people you know moderation and it was enjoying the drink and just so i noticed i would drink my drink in about five minutes and then but they'd have <laughs> literally taken like a couple of sips so there's this moderation of just you know, enjoying it and just sitting and chatting and. Or do you think that it's because the drink <laughs> it's costs so expensive? <laughs> yes. Yeah, might quite possibly, quite possibly. You gotta stretch but that out. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about your work and what yeah. you do here. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've now kind of started to find a bit of a place around what it is I'm now going to focus on what I'm doing. So number one is um, my podcast, kind of like yourself. Kind of started off as a bit of a side hustle, but I love it. I mean, I <laughs> properly love it with you passion. Learn, you learn so much from doing podcasts, from meeting the guests that yeah. you have on. I think it's really educational. It, it is. benefits me. <laughs> yeah. So from this kind of internalizing that I did within myself is one of the things I recognized was... 
I love learning new things. So if I don't get new inputs, I go crazy. So that's who I am. And, and so podcasting really gives me back some of that. And I, and, but also for the community that I'm engaging or um, really giving out is trying to empower people to make create a movement. So the focus of it is around, it's called the experience designers. And my idea behind it is very simple, um, is that, you know, organizations and HR in particular, the future of work, how it's changing at such a rate. Then let's not even talk about technology. Let's just talk about things like uh, new generations coming through into the workforce. Mm-hmm. How are we shaping that experience for people on scale, but really making it very, very personal and very, very kind of aligned? So there's lots of work to do. So I'm trying to bring different thoughts. So if you're working in HR, you work in your own bubble. I'm trying to just break them out of that bubble by bringing in design thinking. Uh, I love it. I'm, I'm all in now. I mean, I was in Berlin yesterday recording one with uh, Zalando, and that was amazing. So it's taking me all over the place. So it's great. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, and at the moment, they said, I'm working with a, a, a great guy, Morton, who is actually one of my podcast uh, guests. Uh, so Morton is like a, an experience economy expert. And we're looking at designing an, an experience of an event. So the whole idea is, is that by the time someone finishes the event, they not only understand what the experience process looks like, they've also felt it because they've gone through it in that event. So we're looking at how we can design just a very kind of micro event to embed what does experience design actually look and also feel like. So that's what we're doing. I've got to ask you some of the major differences you've noticed between London and Sweden or Stockholm. Yeah. I'd like to hear what you think about crosswalks. I did a little teaser when I saw when yeah. I last saw you. Um, <laughs> so there's this really bizarre thing. And um, the big difference, right? So when you're in London, there's like 14 million people. So when there's a flow and there's an ebb. And I, I think mm. about cities is I always look for... So yesterday, as I was in Berlin. And when you walk around Berlin... It's grungy and it's it's got this ebb. It's got this cult. It's got a feel to it. This little pulse that you can feel. It's super edgy. So you can you know it's got these little nuances and personalities of their own. So in London, you know, for me, it's got, I, I describe London as it's kind of this constant moving. It's got this flow. It's like this you know rapid waterfall kind of coming down. It can, and the rocks are kind of the water's going all around the rocks and it's all you know and you're kind of going with it, particularly during you know rush hour <laughs> to get home. So you're always navigating. You know, whoa, you know, always going through these different stages or different areas when you're trying to get let's think about your commute and all of the different kind of things you have to navigate or move around so what this is I think there's kind of a common courtesy that's unspoken in London I mean even if you bump shoulders with someone it's like, oh sorry you know there's an immediate and but you don't tend to bump shoulders too much because you move around it's kind of this uh, ebb and flow that you go with now here in Stockholm compared to London there's no one right so where I come from I walk around and there's like there's hardly anyone here at times there are rush hours of course T-Central and it's an example but there's these situations where, and I'll come to the crossing in a minute, but there's this situation, and I, I, I actually, it, emotionally, I got really hacked off, and I had to deal with this. And I was speaking to my wife about it, she said, just chill out. And I was like, no, why are people bumping into me? There's no they, one here. And they don't say anything. They just keep walking. But it's not just that. I was walking, An example would be I was on Sverwegen. And for those you know listeners outside of Sweden or don't know Sverwegen, it's a big road. It's one of the central roads. So the pavement is enormous. It's yes. super deep. So one day I was walking down with my wife and she's to the right of me and we're walking fairly central in this walkway and there is shed loads of space either side. And I've kind of had my backpack round to the front and I'm unzipping just to put something in my, you know, shoulder to shoulder with my wife and we're talking 
And this guy, I kind of caught him out the corner of my eye. He could have gone round. He went <laughs> straight through me. I mean, full on on my shoulder. And I was just... And that was a breaking point for me. And, and I have to say, I mean, I should have kept things a little bit more in check. But I did challenge him. And it wasn't in a hugely confrontational way. But I did... I wanted to know why. So I actually turned around. And he kind of looked at me and scowled. And so I followed him. And unfortunately, he kind of quickly cowered into his office office uh, door and went in. And I was like, why, why, why did you not go around? I really want to know. But I just don't get it. And, <laughs> if, I, and it happens to me time and time again. But what a cultural clash. Because number one, you have that everybody bumps into everybody yeah. for no reason. They never apologize. And then second, Swedes hate confrontation. Yeah. So they don't expect somebody to turn around and say, what's your problem? Yeah. So, so I, I just I, I haven't got to the answer with it. I have made peace with it, I would say. So I'm not judging. It's more of a, you know, I went through a judgy phase, but now I'm, I'm just like, oh, you know what? It's the culture and I'm I'm here it's and the it's same their culture. So for I have me, to at least with the, the bumping into each other, because I, that's something I noticed straight away is that yeah. people constantly just go by and they hit you. And I didn't think about that. You have a point that there is often plenty of room for them not to do that. Tons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they do that and I would be so irritated when I first came the first few months and unfortunately now I go I've gotten so used to it that you say nothing. You just bump yeah. into people and keep going because like I don't have time for that. No, and no. now I go back to the States and in the South, I'll brush by somebody. I, I go to Houston and it's quite busy and crowded. Mm. I brush by someone and I keep walking and they're like oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. And I have to train my brain yes. to respond in the correct way for that yeah, town. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. it, it was a really interesting. It was just because there's just not many people, as many people here as obviously London. So <laughs> I was like, there's so much space for everybody. And then the other one, which oh, it was such a bizarre moment. I can't tell you. So there's this process thing here, right, which works beautifully for things like, you know, when you get your personal number. It just opens up everything, mobile ID, mm. these convenience things. But the thing is this conformity here, which I found quite interesting. So for things like crossing the road. And I remember it was one morning, it was a Sunday morning, and I walked, I was walking up onto the main road in Udengarten to cross over towards the library. Mm. And there's a normal kind of light crossing. I, as I walked up to it, I looked left, nothing. I mean, not even any traffic. So I look beyond further down to, you know, just for safety. And then I look right and there's absolutely nothing. So as I come up to the crossing, I, I suddenly realise there's like two or three people just standing there waiting for the crossing to change. Now, for me, you know, coming from London, I mean, it's just like you just go. It doesn't matter. I was just like, I actually stopped next to them and I looked at them. I was like, in my head, I was like, it's okay to go. You can go. I, I know it's not safe, and I know you... I get it. I, I, the, the Green Cross Code, as it's called in the UK. Yeah. I get it. But there's no one here. I just found that so bizarre. I just really looked at him like, oh, my God. So uh, it's just, just that it, it's okay. Come on. <laughs> you can do it. Go on. I have to say, though, one thing I would give credit for, I mean, I, I think it's incredibly clean here. I mean, you know, compared again, I can only compare to UK or certainly London. You know, every Friday the the street clean happens, uh, and obviously, I mean, I remember that first time I saw that, and I was on the phone to somebody. I think it was in the UK. I was on a call, and uh, I was just standing by the, the kitchen window, just kind of looking out as you're talking as you do, and then I was kind of just stopping, and, and someone said, are, they, "Are you okay? Are you there?" I said, "Oh, sorry, I was just looking at this thing, steam cleaning 
what? It's the, <laughs> the road and the sidewalk? What the hell? And then, yeah, so that was quite a, a wow, that doesn't happen at all in, in the UK. So also, yeah, I don't believe actually anywhere in the UK. I think it's funny, another matter of perspective is mm. that the guest before you is from Singapore and she says that she hears that Sweden is supposed to be so clean, but yeah. compared to Singapore, <laughs> no way. Oh, wow. But then coming wow. from London, it's yeah. the complete opposite way. Yeah. yeah. But I, I have to say, I love London, but when I go, you notice after a day or two... I, you're sneezing and everything is black and yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pollution. There is. And there was, a, I think I read, a, I, I didn't read the whole thing, but it just glimpsed. I think there was something that came out last week in the press about, um, the UK press about pollution on the underground. It's now better to cycle in London than it is to go on the underground for um, pollution. So it's um, this big problem they need to solve there with that, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel whenever I come to Sweden, when the plane lands after I've been somewhere, you can just—it's so it's, nice. It you is. feel the fresh air. Very fresh. <laughs> I was just about to say the word fresh. It is. It's super fresh, and that's—I uh, think that whole nature thing. I think for me, has just been a, a revelation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You go to Houston and you step off, and first of all, the heat chokes you. But then it's—when you fly in there, you see a huge yellow cloud over the city, yeah. and then it's just the air is thick, yeah. and it doesn't smell right, and. Yeah. You don't realize how good you have it until you come back. Yeah. And you land. I mean, it's even an airport in Stockholm, but still the air is yeah. so fresh yeah. and so crisp. I uh, I genuinely feel, uh, honestly, I'm super blessed and, uh, you know, to have an opportunity to uh, experience Sweden and Stockholm and then dip into towns and cities. I think, you know, I think where I'd like lifestyle in the future to be is exactly that. I think our goals are very clear around what we want to create for ourselves here. Certainly be surrounded with nature, but then have an element where we go into the cities. So, and I think, I can't remember the stats, it's something like 80% of world population will live in cities by something like 2030 or something like 2040. So it's, I can't remember the year. And that's quite a scary thing. I think the yeah. need the need in the future, I think, and you can see it happening already, is that need of having that log-on balance around city then getting out into nature. We'll start wrapping this up, but sure. the last thing I want to ask you yes. is, do you have a Swedish phrase or word that you either think is insane or hilarious or just flat out don't understand? Oh, my God. Um, so the Swedish stuff I've or Swedish language I've really I've struggled with a bit, mm-hmm. for sure. Are you taking classes? I, have, I took some last year. Okay. And it was good, um, but... It didn't align to my way of learning, so it was it wasn't repetitive enough for me. And so my wife and I were going to uh, we've been literally discussing it since we came back in the new year. So I think what we have decided on is embedding it more into the home. So Good just luck. to help, yeah, just what, <laughs> did once not work or, for me. What, oh really? Oh God! <laughs> well, uh, no, I mean we we had that idea, but then we're so used. I met my husband in the mm, English language, and we're so used to speaking to each other in English yes. that we would try to have a whole dinner conversation in Swedish. But my Swedish, it, it takes me a while to form the thoughts, and then I'd have something I really wanted to talk about. So I'd be like, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. First, I got to tell you about this, and then we'd completely forget and yes. switch. Yes. <laughs> The thing I learned last year, and I think there will be challenges with this, is 
when you're learning a new language, you basically, the frustrating element, which I'd never even considered, was you can't be your true self because mm-hmm. you're so limited on the vocabulary and, and your, the words available. So it, it's very, very hard at the beginning, even just to get a sense of humor through or just, you, so it becomes quite frustrating. So I think that's something which I've recognized. Um, but also as well, I think... With the latest government this week or last week, there were a whole debacle. <laughs> it's but different every it week. Is, uh, well, no, I think they're, they've got to a place now. But I think one of the policies they're looking to do is to um, have a Swedish exam or some kind of... That you have to pass yes, uh, so you have a basic understanding of... Swedish. Yeah, so I'm getting my I'm I'm getting my passport um, <laughs> um, application in soon as possible. Um, so you don't have to yeah, because I, I won't I will fail that. So I um, I would have too, but I have to admit that <laughs> I, I maybe could have used it as a boost to make me work harder to to learn Swedish. <laughs> yeah, true. I'll share something that has been probably a little bit left field, but there's one thing that I have really loved when I first was introduced to it a lot of Swedes or my family were like oh no it's, you're never going to like this but I think I surprised them all because I went this is amazing and I think they kind of looked at me really oddly so obviously during um, maybe Easter or when the schnapps comes out obviously there is a one particular schnapps which everyone hates but I love and it's called Beska Dropper it's called Besk, and it's amazing. And I, I it's super medicinal. Um, even when I have, you know, when you get those little stomach days and you're a bit grey, uh-huh. I just chuck one of those down, and it literally sorts it out within like half an hour. Um, and it's great. And but it's it's got this really intense. It's not a berry that they put in there. Well, it is a berry, but it's got this. Um, it's a very bitter flavour, super bitter. Okay. But I really like it. <laughs> I just I I try each year I'll for midsummer if I'm here huh. I'll I'll do one yeah. of the schnapps but I cannot stand schnapps it just tastes like <laughs> rubbing alcohol to me I can't well, get into it you so. need to stay as far away as possible from Besca <laughs> but I feel like I couldn't even tell the difference between different types they just all taste like alcohol they do this one <laughs> there is a huge difference but um, i think if you're eating like lovely. pickled that, that's the thing see i'm not eating the pickled herring and mm. the other things like that okay and i think no. that i see where the schnapps would come in handy just to get that taste out of your yeah. mouth no you don't you don't like herring <laughs> no no i love herring since i come here i've eaten loads of it uh and we did another thing in the summer we did a um in the summer, we did Sue Strumming, mm-hmm. which uh, we, we saw some videos on uh, YouTube. <laughs> so if anyone hasn't d- done this, please. its I mean, I was crying when I saw some of them. Sue Strumming, um, just Google it and uh, on the, sorry on YouTube, and there's loads of amazing. But we created our own video, and uh, we had some friends over from London, and we had lots of kids there, and we put a table out, and we I opened it with the kids, and it was, it's, it's so rank, it's beyond anything I've ever, ever encountered on this planet with food. Um, I get it, and I understand the history of it and why, but... Do you really get it? Because I don't get it. I can see why, like, if you're starving, and you have no option, but it's 2019. I I feel like we have better things that we could eat, so we don't have to eat fermented herring (laughs) in a can that's, like, getting deformed because it shouldn't exist yeah so that's what i don't get yeah. and, and then i'll oh, put it on a cracker and do this so you yeah. don't taste it then why yeah. eat do, it bo- boil some <laughs> potatoes and red onion yeah. okay yeah because the red onion's really going to cut through the kind of the dead <laughs> flesh of the, de- the smell and dead thing of a herring it's like no way 
So on that note, it's uh, time for lunch. So. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's go and eat. Yeah, yes. all right then. I'm up for that. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Heather. It's been lovely speaking. Thank you. All right, thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye.